What's going on, people? It's Yao Mike, and it's you back with another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all are having a wonderful week so far. I hope y'all are ready for the weekend. I hope y'all are ready to chill and relax this weekend. Hope you got all that you needed to get done during the week so you can actually relax this weekend. It's going to be a busy weekend for me. I'm going to be making some changes. I'm going to go home see my family. So I'm excited. I'm excited to go into the weekend. We got a lot to get into as far as the news is concerned in this podcast. There's a lot to get into. We can talk about the way that the economy seems to be shaping out. We're going to talk about what exactly is happening, not just in the general economy as far as our GDP is concerned, but also focus on what's happening in the asset market as well. We'll talk about how that might be shaping up, and we're going to talk a lot about shapes on this episode. Then we're going to talk about the new stimulus package that might be heading our way, or maybe not heading our way, and then we have some extra stuff at the very end. So the question of the day is, what are the two largest parts that shape up to form the GDP of the United States of America? What are the two largest parts that form our GDP? We're going to be talking a lot about this throughout this podcast, but at the end of the podcast, we'll answer that question, which you should answer that question as we go through the podcast anyway. But the first news for today and the first thing to get into is that major antitrust hearing of Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple. They all went before Congress today, and it was interesting to watch. I found it hilarious to watch. And every, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, there's nothing more democratic than watching two different people yell over each other to try and get their point across, which means that nobody is listening. And that's literally what was happening throughout the entire hearing. As a matter of fact, as I'm making this video right now, the hearing is still going on behind me. Um, it's just interesting. We're going to have meme moments from this day for a long, long, long time. I mean, you can already have... You're going to see meme moments talking about how to evade questions properly, how to drink water while you don't want to answer a question and waste the time of those asking the questions. You can see the part of where the way questions are being formed are literally formed in such a way that it's only going to drive you towards one answer. And it's it's just interesting when I was listening to the entire thing and watching the entire thing, just the way that questions are being framed up, the way that it's details are oriented the way that questions are stated the way that answers are stated the whole time i mean one of the things when when the event was going on or rather when the hearing was going on i asked a friend of mine i was chatting we we're chatting back up and forth during work and i asked him like yo are these ceos are these guys allowed to ask questions back to the representatives to the senators and he was like yeah they can ask can you repeat that question and that's literally what it felt like it was like these guys were like an offering being brought to the tower of the congress to the burning altar of congress because really they couldn't ask any questions back they couldn't say really say much of anything and they didn't really say much of anything i don't think this hearing is going to result in any major changes in the way that big tech operates right now because throughout the entire hearing all you kept on seeing and all you kept on hearing from the Congress people was literally them trying to position themselves to get votes from their constituents in their states. Every single word that came out of their mouth was like they were on the 
campaign trail. There was nothing that they said that really dove into the actual issues that we have with data privacy, that we have with the way that Big Tech has almost a monopoly in whatever area that they have. None of those questions were really answered or none of those things were really brought to the table. All that were brought was if you're a Republican, the only question they have was why are conservative voices being silenced, even though that's not really happening. I mean, a stat was done right before the thing where nine out of 10 performing stats right now, performing links on Facebook, the best performing links on Facebook are conservative based articles. And so it's just interesting the way that they'll frame questions or the way that they'll pull out some questions and not really deal with the whole issue. Or in the case of Democrats, all Democrats cared about was like, oh, anti-competitive, big tech, you guys are too big. You shouldn't be that big. You are destroying mom and pop shops or you're destroying the American public in one shape, form or fashion. And it's like, they're not really looking at the big picture of like, yo, these services, yes, we need to do something about it. We need to curtail just how inaccessible and just how there can't be any competition against these big services. But at the same time, it's not putting ourselves in two extreme trenches of like, we only care because the fact that you guys seem to not be supporting conservative ideals. And then on the other side, we only care that you guys seem to not be supporting liberal ideals. And it's like, these two extremes where really we need to be focusing on the middle of like how they did to AT&T in the past where we've had Verizon come out of that, where we've had T-Mobile come out of that, where we've had Sprint come out of that, even though when they broke AT&T down, it ended up just being that now AT&T is still back up to being the number two largest telecom company in the entire United States. So I don't know how much the whole breaking up of big tech might help. But either way, I do believe that there is a need for us to pay attention to big tech and with the monopoly that they have, with the freedom of speech that they kind of curtail in certain ways because of the just the amount of control that they have in the markets. Those kind of things. I think there it's important for us to know how to protect our privacy. It's important that they give us options kind of like they did in Europe where they were forced to protect users' privacies. We don't have that here in the United States because guess what? The two parties don't care about that. One only cares that, oh, this is a big corporation that we need to bring down. The other one only cares about, oh, they're, they're, they're going up against our conservative ideals or whatever. And it's not, we're not getting to the base of it of like, yo, we need to do something in general about big tech. We need to do something in general about the way that Big tech is forcing more and more people when you look at Facebook, forcing people into more entrenched positions. It's not serving people with information that would actually benefit themselves. It's serving people with information that will make them stay on the platform. Or you think about Google. Google is always going to use your information, selling your information to other agencies and profiting, basically profiting off of it. We're looking at, uh, I don't even know why Apple was at the hearing anyway. Like Apple only got like one question. I don't know why or who decided that Apple needed to be on there because really apple was like the one out of all of them that was like yo this doesn't make any sense that apple is out here what is apple doing that is anti-competitive or antitrust in any way on the other side you have amazon who is using the data of other sellers on their website and actually selling products similar products to what they're selling except using that data that they get from other people's information to make sure that their products sell as well So I think that needs to be separated. They need to separate AWS 
from their main core business like just like how regulated utilities have to separate their unregulated side in other words they're buying and selling and trading of power side from their utility side that's something that is regularly done in different businesses it's the same thing that might have to happen for some of these big tech companies there might need to be a splintering or a separation for these big tech companies but that's not what you're hearing during this hearing that's not anything that was discussed during this whole thing it just felt like a bunch of people that the only thing that they're there for is like a fashion parade they're there so that to make sure that when they go back home to campaign that they tell their people that hey pump their chest up and say hey I stood up against big tech. I said this against big tech. Look at what I did to Google or all this other stuff. And really, I don't think anything is going to change from this. I don't think anything is going to come out of the fact that they're having this here and there's no change that's going to come. All we're seeing is just how separated we are as a nation when it comes to everything, even things that would be beneficial from the whole. I didn't hear a single question that would benefit the entire citizens of the United States. I only heard questions that would either de- uh, benefit people who claim to be Republicans or benefit people who claim to be Democrats. And that in and of itself is a problem. We are so divided. We are so separated that we can't even see clearly to chase after the common good goal for every single person. I just, it just doesn't make any sense to me when I was listening to the whole thing. But anyway, that's beside the point. I just thought it was a very interesting thing to share with y'all. It just, yeah. Anyway, let's get right into the first topic of the day. The first topic of the day is, remember in the past, we talked about the different shapes that we might see in an economic recovery. We talked about V, and V is the one that you probably are hearing a lot about. V is the best kind of shape that we can possibly see during a recovery. It's basically, we dive, drop into a recovery, we have a recession period, and then we start growing out of it just as quickly, and we come right back out of it. It's the fastest, and it's the one that everybody wants. It's the one that you're gonna hear a lot of people especially lawmakers say hey that's what we're heading for then we talked about you or the nike swoosh which is a little bit slower you get down into the into the recession period and then you slowly come out of it it takes a little bit longer and people like that one but not as much as the v the v is like you see that direct correlation of like boom we're out of it we survived out of it and then the next one is the l the l is the worst possible one that you can have basically because you dip you fall into a recessionary period and then you stay in it you never recover out of it maybe you don't recover out of it for a really long time long time being like 10 20 years or something like that and so nobody likes the l nobody wants the l the other one that we haven't really talked about is the w W in this case does not represent winning. In this case, when you go into a W-shaped recovery period when it comes to the global economy as a whole, it means that what happened is we fell into a recession, we were recovering from that recession, but then there was a double dip. We went right back into another recession before we finally came out of it. And nobody likes that one because who wants to start off failing and then start succeeding and then fall flat on our faces again before we can start succeeding again nobody likes the w what's really going to happen is something that a lot of economists are starting to call the square root shaped recession recovery it's basically where we have a dip if you guys know what the square root looks like is basically we have a dip we fall down and then as we are gradually coming out there'll be a stabling off period where we're not progressing where we're not falling down or going back up 
we're just kind of leveling off and we're not progressing anymore. It's a, it's a very scary period because nothing is really happening. Nothing we can see is changing anything. And so nobody really likes the square root type of economy uh, recovery. And that seems to be the one that we might be having in this, during this Corona pandemic series, uh, period. Uh, I mean, for the first time in 17 weeks, we just saw an increase in Americans filing for unemployment benefits. I mean, we've seen unemployment benefits filing continue to increase. I mean, there's about 35 million people that are that have filed for unemployment benefits, but it was tapering off. I mean, it was slowly tapering off. We had the huge spike right when everything got shut down. I mean, it was like upwards of 10 million people in one week. And then we had the tapering off where it was leveling out to be about it got all the way to like 1.3 or 1.1 million people a week. And then now all of a sudden last week, we saw a tapering back up where we had about 1.4 people file for unemployment. What that shows is that this recession, we're going to fall further into it before we start recovering. And this is very important because a lot of the news we've been hearing was, oh, we even I discussed it on here where we had unbelievably employment rates back in. I think it was the end of June that we saw those rates and we were really shocked. We weren't expecting it. And so that's what a lot of people have been holding on to, to say that, hey, we're recovering from this thing really, really fast. But that's not the case, especially when the cases of coronavirus started spiking again. We saw unemployment uh, rise again all of a sudden. And we saw a lot of people get kicked out of work and have to file for unemployment again. And so now everything is back on Congress's desk. And we'll talk about that stimulus package here shortly. But everything is back on Congress's desk because in one area, you have the Fed, which we'll talk about the Fed as well, who have done a lot of policy changes and a lot of buy-in of assets to help stabilize that part of the economy. But we need fiscal policy to help stabilize the pockets of the American people. The assets economy is doing well. We'll talk about that here in a second. But the actual economy, which means people actually work in employment, all those kind of things that actually build out our country are falling. It's falling and it's falling drastically. And speaking of that asset economy, this is the one area where we are probably going to see a V recovery or we saw a V recovery. I mean, at the beginning of this thing, we saw the S&P 500 drop about 30 percent. I mean, it dropped 30% in March, and then all of a sudden, we've had the fastest recovery that we've ever had in history. However, due to the recent tensions between the United States and China, with both of them closing their consulates, I mean, the U.S. forcibly closed the consulate in Houston for China, and China in return because... When it's a battle, it's a tit-for-tat battle, you, you have to come back with your own retaliation shot. You can't take a shot and not put a shot out there as well. So China also shut down its U.S. consulate in Chengdu. And so the, the stuff is just escalating and escalating and escalating. And so with that being said, it's looking like we might see a W when it comes to the asset market. Now, what do I mean by the asset market? The asset market is basically the stock market, home prices, those kind of things like real estate, those things that are not like, they're tangible to a degree, but not really tangibly in your pocket. It's not like going to a job and getting paid or buying for goods and services type of thing. It's just a part of the economy that is there, but it's not really there. Now, the problem is 
we have a very big disconnect between the asset market and the actual economy. We're having a huge disconnect where we see the stock market exploding and doing all kinds of stuff. But on the other side, we're seeing the actual physical economy failing with 30 plus million people applying for unemployment. So it's a really big distinction that we are seeing and it's not one that we like to see a lot of. I mean, you combine the fact that we have this tension rising between China and the US, combine that with the unemployment numbers that we're now starting to see go back up, combine that with the COVID uh, pandemic that we just see more and more increases. I mean, there was a report that said we had over a thousand daily deaths in the last week of COVID, uh, in COVID due to the COVID pandemic. And so, and then also combine that with the fact that we are having a shortage of coins. Well, actually, to be honest, this one doesn't really play a role with the asset market or what's going on in the economy. I just found it interesting and I was like, I have to find a way to talk about how the fact that we just don't have $48 billion worth of coin is out of circulation. There's a bit of a crisis there. I mean, physical, first of all, I'm of the mindset that we need to do away with physical, physical money. But at the same time, there is a ripple effect when we do away with physical money. It affects lower income citizens who may likely don't have a bank account, who may likely need to get paid in actual cash. And so it's like a snowball effect of where we have $48 billion worth of coins out of circulation. It starts spiraling out of control where people who need those physical money, who need those physical dollars are not able to get it. And it's gotten to the point where some banks are willing to pay you to turn in your coin jar. In other words, they'll pay you some extra dollars over the amount of money that your coins are basically just to give them some coins so they can give that to businesses. I mean, you've probably seen the signs when you go to like Walmart or Lowe's or any of these stores where they say, hey, we don't have any cash. We don't have any coins. We can only give you something back in like a card format. So if you have change, we'll give you a card for you to come back to our store later because we cannot give you any coinage. We're seeing that happen more and more. But anyway, let's go back to talking about the markets. The markets are seeing all of these things. And so far, they don't seem to be really affecting the markets. I mean, we're not seeing that reflect. We're not seeing the fact that there's a problem between the Chinese government and the U.S. reflecting the markets. We're not seeing the problem of uh, unemployment being reflected in the markets. Everything we're seeing so far in the markets is optimism. Everybody's like, we're going to come out of this. We're going to come out of this. We're going to come out of this. And then there's another reason why we're also seeing this crazy optimism in the markets. And part of it is the feds. The feds, like I talked about, through quantitative easing, which is basically they just keep on buying assets. They've bought a bunch of assets to ensure that the markets don't destroy themselves. But at the same time, they've propped up the markets to a degree where you just can't, it just has to go and it just has to up. The only direction it can really go is up. And as long as the Fed keeps buying assets and as long as the Fed keep interest low as interest rates as low as they are right now, I don't see where the market might taper off. Now, if we see all of a sudden where the economy has to shut completely back down again, which I doubt will, ha- will happen, or if Congress doesn't do something soon with a physical po- fiscal policy, which also I doubt will happen, then we might see that W play out as I was talking about earlier with the markets. And the final news for today is the fact that we finally saw a new stimulus package that is going to come out 
very soon and be on the way into your pockets. Well, maybe. Maybe we might see it in your pockets, but the Senate just agreed, or rather the leadership in the Senate just agreed to a new stimulus package, which they are calling the Heels Act. And first of all, every single one of y'all just rolled your eyes as to the fact that they're calling it the Heels Act. Like, we had the Cares Act, we had the Heroes Act. Why, why they gotta call it all these names? Like, it's just like, yo, just give us the thing. We don't wanna hear about your stupid acronym name that you've given to all this stuff. We want an actual bill that will be helpful to the American public. But anyway, in the Heels Act, it's pretty much the same as the Cares Act that we got in March, except there were some slight changes that they're gonna do within it. In other words, you're still gonna get that $1,200 payment if you have or if you make less than $75,000 a year and $500 for each dependent that you have. Hopefully this time they don't mess it up again and limit the age limit to be your dependent has to be 16 years old or less. At least make it 18 years old because, hey, guess what? They're adults. Like you, That's where we call people adults. 18 or 21, whichever age you want to make it. But don't limit it to 16 year old because you still have 17 and 18 years old that are actually at home. If you're not going to do that, then make the dependents or others who are paying taxes because of jobs that they have be able to access that $1,200 as well. But anyway, it also comes with a $70 billion for schools because guess what? The big issue right now is how are we going to open back our schools safely and also an extra $16 billion for continued tech, uh, testing. They also added in there some more tax credits and more funding for the okay but not so great PPP, which you guys know is the payment protection plan. Hopefully, all of this stuff's work out. But however, the reason why I said maybe this is gonna be on the way soon is I highly doubt anything is gonna be passed by Friday, tomorrow, when you guys are listening to this, or the day after you guys are hearing this, because I'm recording this on Wednesday, so you guys can hear this on Thursday. But you guys don't care about the background. What am I talking about? Let's get back on topic. But the biggest issue that this thing might not even quell or be passed in the next week, which is unfortunate, is there's a contention between the House Democrats and the Senate Republicans over the amount of unemployment checks that should be going out to people. You, As you guys know, right now, there's a $600 a week unemployment payment that is being made to a lot of people who are unemployed, and that has been kind of sustaining them and helping them out. However, Republicans want to cut that $600 down to $200, and then you also have some Republicans who want to just do away with it all all the same. And they have good reason. There's good reason to state that, hey, if we keep paying people the $600, they're not going to want to go to work when it's time for everything to reopen back up. But that doesn't seem to be the case a lot of the time, or at least that's what Democrats are arguing, that that's not exactly the case. We're literally just subsidizing people to survive because a lot of businesses are still closed. And then you have other Republicans that are like, yo, we don't even want to give anybody anything. What do they need all this money for? Like, they should go back to work. And it's like, it's still not safe outside. What kind of stupidity is that? But anyway, that's just beside the point. I apologize because, you know, people are going to be yelling at me on Twitter, but I don't really care. But anyway, that's one of the issues that has been like an argument point. And then the other argument point is between the White House and the Senate in the fact that the White House wants to cut more tax wants to give more tax cuts to, to payroll taxes. And that one just doesn't make any sense at all. Why would you give more payroll tax cuts rather than actually giving people money? Because at the end of the day, if people are already unemployed, cutting taxes doesn't do anything 
for them at all. Like literally at all. It doesn't do anything for them at all. Like what is, if you're giving me a tax cut when I'm making zero dollars, it's still zero dollars. All that does is help those who already own assets, those who are already working. I'm one of those people. It doesn't help the people that actually need to be helped during this time. So hopefully we get something in the next week. The big, the big problem with not getting anything by this Friday is the fact that a lot of the benefits from the CARES Act actually expires on Friday. So tomorrow, when you guys are listening to this, is actually expiring. So it's very important that we get something soon or else we're gonna see problems with evictions, problems with people not being able to pay their rent, problem with people not being able to put food on the table, problem with all kinds of things if we don't get something soon enough. And I don't think we're gonna get anything soon enough because at the end of the day, there's not the pressure of looking at the crash in the stock market to push them to actually act. Unfortunately, there's no more bipartisan like, hey, we need to do something quickly because for some reason or the other, they've equated the stock market also to be the general economy and you can never make that equation you can never equate both of those things to be the same thing all they're doing if you're looking at the stock market all that does is the asset market so in other words in other words the people who already own stocks are people that most likely are already good to start off with and the people who don't own stocks are people who actually need governmental assistance and so the fact that we're looking at both sides of the aisle and these guys keep screaming at each other rather than trying to find a solution to the problem in and of itself is a problem. And so hopefully they get this thing right. Hopefully they get this thing figured out so they can help the American public. But that's basically all the main news of the day. The other things I have on here is a little bit more fun, a little bit more playful. The first one is baseball season. Immediately, Half of y'all were about to turn it off, but don't turn it off. Don't turn it off. I know you don't care about baseball. I don't care about baseball either. And then there's going to be a bunch of people who hit me on Instagram and Twitter. By the way, reach out to your boy on Instagram and Twitter at Kelechi Iwaba or check me out on the website ramblingmindshow.com. Or if you have any questions for me, just email me at Kelechi at ramblingmindshow.com. But you can reach me out. All this information is in the show notes. Check it out. Back to the baseball story. The only reason I'm talking about the baseball story is I'm paying attention to the baseball story for the NFL season that may or may not happen in the coming fall. And the reason for that is the baseball season just started back up. They didn't go into a bubble like the NBA did. Baseball said, we're just going to play it like we regularly play it. And of course, as everybody expected, there were coronavirus cases. About 14 players on the Miami Marlins tested positive for the COVID-19 for COVID-19, not for the COVID-19. It will be for the coronavirus. But again, I ramble too much. But anyway, what they ended up doing was they still decided to play against the Phillies, which of course, automatically, they are going to test the Phillies. And we hear news whether players on the Phillies got affected as well, but they had to cancel their games. And so it's just interesting to see how this is going to play out. Depending on how this plays out for baseball, that might decide how the NFL is going to act because the NFL has decided that unlike the NBA, unlike Premier League, unlike all the other sports league in Europe, Bundesliga, the French League, La Liga, all of them that did like a bubble type situation, NFL said, nah, we're not doing that. Baseball said, nah, we're not doing that. And we're starting to see the effects of that. So we'll see how this whole thing plays out in the future. Finally... 
The last thing I want to talk about today is Kodak. You know, Kodak that does not exist anymore, but actually it does, surprisingly. I didn't know Kodak still existed. I thought they were done, which technically they are done. They filed for bankruptcy back in 2012. They've been trying to find ways to find new business ventures and those kind of things. And well, they did. They finally found a new business venture. Can you guys guess what it is? I'm going to wait. I'm not going to wait that long. Kodak is now a drug manufacturer. Who would have guessed it? Yeah, they just got a $765 million loan from the federal government to create active ingredients for COVID-19 drugs. So it's interesting. It just shows you like no matter where you are in life, you can always pivot into a new industry and you can always pivot to find value for your life. I don't know. That's not really why I did. I just brought that news in here because I just found it interesting that Kodak is still a thing. And instead of being in the camera industry, now they're in the in the drug industry. Very interesting. Very interesting. But anyway, that's all I have for y'all. Let me do a quick rundown on everything that we talked about. We started off talking about the antitrust hearing by big, big tech. We talked about the fact that it didn't make any sense because the hearing I don't feel is going to go anywhere or there's nothing that's going to come out of it because it felt like two different parties being on extreme ends on the corners. Then from there, we started talking about the economy and the recovery that we might see in the economy economy. And it's unlikely that we're going to see a V-shaped economy response or recovery. Now, speaking of that, let's answer the question of the day. At the beginning, I asked every single one of y'all what makes up two parts or what are the largest two parts of gdp we've talked about it multiple times on this channel the answer to that question is consumer spending and consumer services we make up two-thirds of the general economy which is why it's so important that congress does something with fiscal policy to help everybody and then we talked about the fact that the asset market is doing all kinds of stuff because it's being propped up by the Fed and the way that the Fed is spending and buying all kinds of things. Then we talked about the stimulus package, if we're going to see it, if we're not going to see it, and how that might play out. But I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things out of this entire podcast. It's been your boy, Kalichi. If you guys haven't opened a Robinhood account, hit the link in the show notes and you can get yourself one free stocks one free stock in that description always remember it's easier to just follow the market so buy an etf if you are going to open a robin hood account but anyway it's been your boy kalichi i hope y'all learned one maybe two things out of this whole podcast and remember generosity is always greater than greed god bless each and every single one of y'all and i'm out peace